Hello collaborators and guests and welcome to an episode of Visit My Cup of Tea. I am the Drama Merchant and you're welcome to grab yourself a cup and saucer, make yourself comfortable as you join me and some special guests in my tea room where I will continue to share with you information from the teapot entitled Awakening. In our last episode, Doug Kennedy had a chat with director Curtis Lang and producer Sophie Wicks of Good Time Theatrics, with their own personal experience with what it was like tackling such a raw script. In this episode, we will begin with Imogen talking to Sophie Wicks and Drew Buchanan about the roles they play in the show. Let's have a listen. So you guys are performing Awakening at Hota, um, which is a uh, revisioning of Spring Awakening. Um, and I think you guys were saying how the first act is like in provincial Germany and then it moves to contemporary Australia. Um, like as performers, is that switch in between acts like difficult or jarring? Um, a little bit. The, the story's still linear in a sense. So we follow these characters through the setting of the original play and then uh, in the turn of the acts it very much changes but we're still following that trajectory so it's not like we're we're doing things over and over yeah. with the exception of one particular scene um, but yeah it, it's we're still following these characters um, through their, their, their journey um, it's just the setting just changes going on what Sophie said it's it's it really is strange how like the the stories are the same like how it's still prevalent really and like not too many details have changed the problems that these kids are facing like in the second act are the same kids are facing in Finchel Germany it's like parents not listening to them it's they're not being educated it's it's all that kind of stuff so in that sense I guess it's easy <laughs> okay and like, tell me a bit about your characters. Yeah, so I play Moritz Stiefel, who is originally a male character, um, which is really interesting. Moritz is a very tragic character as well. Um, he has really intense academic pressures put on him. He feels like he doesn't fit in. And that ultimately leads to quite a tragic end unfortunately but I think a lot of the time mental health conversation is centered around men um, which is so important um, the suicide rates for men are extremely high but I think with this it's been interesting to portray um, depression and anxiety through using a female body through a female perspective the character I play is a uh, Melchior Gabor and he is like very good friends with um, Moritz as well. There's the backstory that we've been given about Melchior is like very distant parents. He definitely has that sense throughout the whole play of like, I'm better than everyone. My mind works on a higher level. Therefore, if I do things you might consider like bad, but according to like how I view the world and I've not broken any of my rules, then oh. I, that's fine. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, so it, it is, yeah, it is very much that warped view of the world. Yeah. That, I guess, happens when you don't, no one's there to, like, kick you up the butt and be like, no, be a nice person <laughs> type thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, like, has there been anything difficult for you in, like, portraying these characters? Yeah, I'll let Drew start with that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> yeah, so obviously, um, in this production there is uh, a sexual assault and it's done 
quite, not graphically, Ooh. but Sophie and Curtis got to have a chance to chat with Daniel. And one of the things that's been a real thing of like, don't pull punches. Yeah, you didn't want to shy away. Yeah, from. yeah, exactly. To really uh, do service and justice to the story, it kind of needed to be shown in its worst way. Yeah. Uh, which is kind of what it ended up doing. So obviously that's really horrible. Thank you. <laughs> um, but yeah, like it was, everyone's been very professional about it and it's like talking obviously a lot about like consent and yeah. this is this and... That's good. Yeah. How about you? Yeah, <laughs> for me, um, it is quite difficult but still rewarding to follow this character's journey um, through these mental health struggles um, and obviously that can be quite draining as an actor um, to put yourself through that um, multiple shows in a row um, and you kind of come out of it a bit, a bit drained but yeah. um, it is important to separate yourself from from the character it just makes me so sad. It just makes yeah. me so sad it's, that, it's, it's that, very kids, that kids feel like that and ki- that kids feel like there are no other options when they don't have the support network that they need. Yeah, that would be very difficult for both of you. Um, on the flip side of that, are there any scenes that you enjoy in the show or is it all just intense and sad? Well, Mel- <laughs> Melchior and Moritz have a really beautiful friendship and... Those scenes are really nice. There's a lot of really nice moments of comedy written into the script and that, you know, are still in the original version as well. Um, It's kind of a bit heightened, a bit, a bit silly sometimes. (laughs) And that's, that's enjoyable. Yeah. I'd I'd, I'd say the same. (laughs) I I guess like just getting an insight into the characters is, is always fun. Yeah. Like the bad, the bad guy's not entirely bad um and people are rarely that black and white yeah the Mm. world is gray um it's important to not idolize or glamorize people like Melchior but I think it is important to understand that there is more than that one side there there is a gray area and they have been built up by Society. society yeah and and let Society has let them get away with so much, but um, what this adaptation does really well is kind of flips that on its head. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and like, is that what you think makes this production of Awakening like special and different, like that? Yeah, like Spring, Spring Awakening is a text that has been adapted many times over the years. It's one that people continue to bring back, but this version in particular really examines why certain things don't resonate with a contemporary audience from the original text. The ending is very different, which is lovely. So who do you think the ideal audience, like who do you think this is targeted at? I think it's important for parents, for adults, for anyone really to um, view teenagers as people as complex people who, you know, deserve support and who deserve agency. Oh, absolutely. Um, So what you're saying is everyone should bring their entire family family and have some conversations. Grandparents. Probably not children. (laughs) Um, Anyone. uh, Under 15. (laughs) Everyone over 15 is encouraged (laughs) and welcome. 
So are but, there any pieces of like film that you've seen that like you think this is a similar experience or presents like the same kind of story to an audience? Or anything that you've seen? The one that comes to mind for me straight away is the very recent TV series Euphoria, which <sighs> deals with teenagers who behave like adults who are maybe making mistakes and doing things because they don't have support. Yeah, I think so many shows do that, but like a lot of them glamorize it in yeah. a way that's probably really unhealthy. Absolutely. And I think we don't do that. That's good. <laughs> we, uh, we show the act yeah. and then we deconstruct. And spark um, a conversation. Yeah. Conversation, yeah. dialogue, it's so important. So I think we'll just finish that off with, uh, are there any three words that you think encompass this show? Uh, challenging. Uh, challenging. Very good. Inspiring? <laughs> Oh, thought-provoking. Yeah, yeah, with a hyphen. Very good. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it was interesting listening to the group exchange views and perspectives about the play and their characters, and I was looking forward to asking Curtis Lang a few questions, director to director. Let's have a listen. Can you introduce yourself to the audience? Yeah, my name's Curtis Lang, and um, I've been I'm kind of an emerging uh, performer and director in the Queensland theatre scene. Um, I've been doing stuff uh, all over the place of varying quality. Uh, some comedy, I've done some drama, um, and yeah, I'm doing this p- production of Awakening, an adaptation of Spring Awakening. So what inspired you to direct Awakening, this, this, this production? Well, I was actually lucky enough to direct a production of Spring Awakening, the Jonathan Franzen uh, translation, and um, that was about two years ago. And while, while I, lo- I love that show and I love the cast and, uh, and Underground Productions, uh, the UQ uh, Performing Arts Society, um, is really where I kind of cut my teeth on directing. And um, I, I'm very proud of a lot of the shows. Uh, some of the choices that I uh, made uh, or were kind of requested to make um, weren't... I came away not being very happy with some of them. I can understand um, that. Yeah, you know, you, you come away and you go, oh, I could have done this, I could have done that. Oh, man, I wish I didn't have to do this to appease kind of this kind of aspect of the audience and this kind of aspect of the kind of people I'm working with and that sort of thing. I wish I could have just kind of really done my own version and done what I wanted to do. So at the end of last year, when Br- uh, Brisbane and Queensland was really coming out of the whole uh, COVID situation and we were kind of doing well, it was looking like performing was going to be an option again. Myself and Sophie and Drew and uh, a couple of other friends were um, talking about shows and possible plays that we could do. We were just we really wanted to get a script. We really wanted to get it off the off our ground, and we wanted to fund it ourselves and do it ourselves. And you wanted, by the sounds of it, you just really wanted to do something that was. I just different. wanted to do something. I wanted to be on stage again. I wanted to do something that wasn't me sitting on my bum playing. Uh, Star Wars The Old Republic. So that's essentially um, <laughs> what most of us directors tend to do. We exactly. want to be on stage in something that we would like to be in. What yeah. can we find? So we were looking at we were looking at a, n- a number of different things. It was looking like we were going to do Constellations there oh, for a little okay. bit, which is another lovely play that I love. But when we found this, Play Lab had only published it last year. It had only performed, been performed one other time, by directed by Daniel Lamon, the author, in collaboration with Monash, a again, drama society at that university. And they'd only performed it once. And so Playlab published it, and we saw it, and we were like, this sounds right up our alley. Because when we read it, we were like, this is the zenith of the text. Because the original text, it's just... It, it, it's fantastic, and it was so progressive for its time. But it is... 
it's still got it's still got cultural bias in there. It's still got problematic issues with it. So your 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 company, Good Time Theatrics, yeah. likes to do shows that are a little bit more, I guess, as you mentioned, the word progressive. Yeah. Um, something that is different for an audience, like yeah. much myself, well, as drama merchant, I prefer to do shows that aren't the norm. Yeah, the attitude at the moment is very much like a lot of theater, a lot of theater established theater companies have have been like, "Hey, everybody, it's been a really hard year or so where we've all had to go away. We've all had the chance to think about the kind of theater that we want to do, and we have the chance to think about what we want to produce." Anyway, here's Greece, the musical. Amen to what you said there. Yeah, right. right? Yep. So it's like, <laughs> no, I I want to do something that's that's Australian. Mm-hmm. I want to do something that is challenging, and I want to do, but still. People will look and go, wow, that seems interesting. And Awakening ticked all those boxes. Because it's, again, it's it's been, the, the original text has been around for 130 years. And people have a love affair with it. So how does directing Awakening differ from directing other work that you've done? Awakening is, like, so collaborative. I have a mentality in that when I cast a play, people can act. If they turn up to audition, I know that they can they can probably act. They can do it well. What I need to know is, can I go have a beer with you afterwards? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Can I can I have a kind of rapport? Can I have a back and forth? Mm-hmm. Um, the cast that we were able to find for Awakening are some of the greatest human beings I've ever had the pleasure to meet. Mm-hmm. And It makes it easier, doesn't it? Makes it makes it easy. It's like turning up. It's not going to work. It's turning up and just hanging out with your friends, but doing, but having a goal mm-hmm. for that hangout and you're pushing towards something. And yeah, sometimes that can mean that you sit around and you laugh a bit too much and you joke around a little bit and you don't get... Sometimes, oh, there's a rehearsal like, oh, we probably could have gotten more done there. But yeah. then sometimes it's so productive because you're all so gelled together yeah. and, you're, and you're just working so well together that you're just making the best thing that you can possibly make. I found that directing Venus and Fur this year mm. with a cast of two, um, the, the content and uh, what what was being said in the show, we were just so laid back. Yeah. And we very much collaborated together, and that's where I learned that you, you really need actors that are very much open-minded, that as a director you can go, yeah, look, I'd like you to do this. However, what can you bring to the ballpark? How can yeah. you make this this better? And that's the thing. When, when we finished our original run in April of the show, we kept hanging out all the time. And I remember Chris, who's in the show, is all Christopher Payton, who's a wonderful actor, kind of was just sitting there. He's just like, it's amazing that we managed to have fun doing this show. Because mm. this show's heavy. Mm-hmm. It's intense. The, the, it's, not, it's, not a, it's not a light and fluffy watch. But we managed to respect the text, respect the characters, respect the stories that they were telling, but also just thoroughly enjoy the process. It sounds like you also respected the audience. Th- that was it. Like, I was really worried about um, particularly the sexual assault thing. Because mm. when I did it, Two years ago, in the original production, I I, I made the cho- I, I made the informed choice with with a couple of other people. Oh, a couple of other people on the production team. That how we would do it was we would go to black. Mm-hmm. So it was about to happen, and then we would cut fully to black, and then you would just hear the voices. It it kind of ummed and ahed between the two of those. Mm-hmm. I I liked the choice, but I think the argument that it's more respectful mm-hmm. is false. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. to 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 be respectful you need to unfortunately convey the realism of what this awful, awful thing is. Well, that's what you do as a director. You're yeah. there to show a play in its entirety, yeah. what it encompasses, what it deals with. Yeah. I, ha- I, I went into this and, I, and every time I would be like, we're not pulling, 
we're not pulling punches. And Sophie and I had a conversation with Daniel Lamb and the author where we kind of got his thoughts on the play. And his, his, his greatest advice was Vedican didn't pull punches. Neither should you. So what experience do you want the audience to take away after seeing the show? I want them to, and it sounds, it sounds, sometimes in your head, you're like, man, don't sound wanky, but I, I think you need to kind of like go in and be like, just, just be willing to experience it. Just be willing to kind of let the story wash over you and whether it's not something you've encountered before and you, you're kind of like, wow, I never really thought about the fact that if I don't open up to my children, then where are they getting their information from and what, what effect is that having on them? Or if you've experienced that before and you've been like, yes, this is exactly what I've been trying to tell mm-hmm. people all my life, just let it, let it experience that and let it just bolster that a little bit and bolster that feeling and push you towards the right direction. So who is your perfect audience member? Who's going to enjoy this show? Oh, I remember listening in to a couple of conversations and I, I, I might venture forth to say something yeah. on this one for you. But I think if there's any universities on the Gold Coast for their acting uh, classes yeah. or performance classes, or even if schools have an interest in the context of what Awakening is, I would say it's something for them to come and watch. Yeah. Considering everything that I've heard from the conversations about how much the context of today's society, that's my personal throw out to people who are listening to this. I would definitely recommend on seeing the show at Hotter. Who who do you think it is? I think you've hit the nail on the head there. I think um, that's the exact kind of person I want to come and see it. I want people who are maybe, um, yeah, studying and being like, what's my first five kind of years out of education going to look like? Like all of us, bar one, we've got... Uh, the baby of our cast is, is Bridie and she's 18 and she's in her first year of university and she's a better actor than all of us but that's beside <laughs> the point um, <laughs> uh, we're, we're, we're all we've all studied and we've all graduated and we're all kind of in the process now of being like cool this is the kind of stuff we want to do this is the kind of direction we're heading in and if you all kind of want to go what's the first five years going to look like I, I do think without tuning my own horn our horns too much um, no feel free to do it if there's one uh, if there's one thing i like artists to be when they come and uh, come onto this podcast is i actually want them to toot their own horn you have the right to toot your own horn i think this is this is what you should this is the kind of thing you should be doing your first five years out of study this is the kind of you should be looking at like what stories do i want to tell and what how do i do that Mm -hmm. and i think um, and you should be frankly biting off more, a little bit more than you can chew. Like this is a big task. This is a big thing where we're all young people. We're all the, the oldest of us is 26. Um, and where we've put together a, a, a small tour, we've done an original run of it. And this is a huge thing. And even, even if there's a show where two people come to see the show, it's like at the end of that, you're like, no, we, we ran a tour and we ran it on schedule and we got in contact with all these different people mm-hmm. and you did all these different things and you organized this thing. At the end of that, how can you not be like, this is a worthwhile activity that I've invested my time in? Hmm. Um, what kind of movie would you equate Awakening to? <laughs> this is a difficult one for me because... Uh, let me have a think. I think it's it's what Romeo and Juliet tries to do and I think yeah like like um Zaffirelli or Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet it's like oh you're building up this lovely romance and then you sweep the rug out from underneath them with tragedy I've just I think what what Awakening does is takes that idea and concept to its absolute zenith and turns it from romance into horror all right thank you very much thank you 
With themes such as these, it is indeed bold of a theatre company to take on Widekin's work with a fresh new look on subjects we normally turn away from. So I hope it's perked your interest in trying its unique Australian flavour. Between recording this episode and chatting about the context, I can tell you mine is, and I'm looking forward to seeing it on the 30th of July. You can purchase tickets for its season run by visiting the Hotter website or click on the link in this podcast. Remember to like or follow this podcast on Spotify and Facebook under its Isn't My Cup of Tea and keep a watch out on the Drama Merchant website for other creative projects being produced by myself. As always, remember, an adventure begins with a cup of tea.